All right, everyone. It's good to be here with everybody and uh, talk today just about the subject of spiritual gifts. This is something that's been on my mind a lot recently. I feel like um, just various things that I've read, various things that I've listened to over the past few weeks, I feel like have just been causing me to think more and more about how discipleship to Christ isn't about only what we're receiving, but also what we're giving. And often, if you're like me, I tend to get into this way of thinking and way of living where I consider myself a committed disciple if I'm just consistently showing up to church, um, consistently reading my Bible, consistently in prayer. I mean, actually, when you think about it, a lot of times if I have a brother in Christ who is you know, passionate about the Lord and is pursuing spiritual maturity in the same way that I am and that I know that you are, you know, if he comes to me and says, Hey, you know, how are you doing spiritually? I immediately just go to, you know, almost like individually, what's my consistency like in the spiritual disciplines? I mean, am I, am I praying? Am I reading God's word? Am I showing up at church? Am I struggling with any sin privately or anything? And if the answer to those things are like, Oh no, you know, I'm relatively doing okay. in those things I can just say like, yeah, I'm doing well spiritually. And I will say my mind doesn't seem to automatically start thinking about, am I using my spiritual gifts? Am I ministering to people effectively? Am am I making disciples? And so I started just thinking more and more about, you know, I think one of the reasons, and and this is not just me saying this, I mean, I've, I've read this from others, but I think one of the reasons maybe that we don't minister more is we don't understand how we're designed. So Christy Herrick, who's the women's minister here at the church, she pointed this out in a really interesting way. She said, you know, so she she is, is literally overseeing a, a large women's ministry. I mean, many women involved. And she said that she personally, Christy, has the gift of teaching. That's what she's good at. That's how God's designed her. And she really is great at it, if you've ever listened to her. Um, and she said, so her closest friends, we all do this right, that she's gotten to know really well and, 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 and really become close with are also other really good teachers. I mean, we tend to, you know, be drawn to and form really close bonds with people who are very similar to us, have similar interests and similar practices. And since she's really good at teaching and that's a part of her life and something that she has to do a lot, she's been drawn to other teachers and they bond over that. And she said what she would do when she would be planning women's events in the church is she would go to those close friends or, or other people and say, hey, could you host a party? Hey, could you... um. Uh, uh, host an event, all these things. And she's like, man, I never could find people to host. And she said, finally, it dawned on her one time that, well, these people have the gift of teaching. They don't have the gift of hospitality. And she started to identify who in the women's ministry has the gift of hospitality. And when she identified those women and, and put out to those women, hey, would you be willing to host for events? She said they had more people sign up to host than ever before. What was the issue? Was it that people didn't care about serving? They didn't care about ministry? They didn't care about the events? No, it was that we're all designed in different ways with different gifts, with different abilities, with different interests, with different passions. And we need, we typically will serve best once we align our opportunities and our, and our, uh, with our passions, with our abilities, once we come into alignment of our spiritual gifts being used in ministry for the good of the group as a whole. And and that's the other thing is, I mean, we all have different gifts and we all need each other.
So I started studying spiritual gifts a little bit, and it really is a fascinating topic. And another thing I found was this. When I started looking into spiritual gifts, and I started Googling it, looking for sermons on it by people that I trust, looking for books written on it. And I know that there, I mean, in some senses, there is a lot written on it. I mean, there's plenty of commentaries on 1 Corinthians and Romans and the passages that are about spiritual gifts. But in a lot of ways, there's not a ton written about it. There's not a ton written about spiritual gifts. And most of the stuff I found, not all, but a lot of the stuff I found, I was like, oh, wow, I found something on spiritual gifts. This should be good. And it's all about, you know, is speaking in tongues still um, biblical today and stuff like that? What's the gift of prophecy? And those things are good questions. But I really wasn't trying to get into that. I, I was trying to say, no, like, what about all the other spiritual gifts? What about the gifts of teaching, the gifts of hospitality, the gifts of in- encouragement and exhortation and discernment and all these gifts? What instruction, what insights are there into figuring out what the Bible says about those things? And so I guess I found that it's not an overly common topic, which is just another reason why we need to turn our attention to it today. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a bunch of different verses and we're going to just try to bring several different kind of bullet points out of these verses. Just kind of we're gonna we're gonna start by by formulating a, just a what's a definition of spiritual gifts. Just answering the question, what are they? And then we're gonna transition to what do we know about them? And it's gonna be kind of an overview. This is not getting into the weeds of hey, if you have the gift of teaching, here's ten bullet points about the gift of teaching. This is gonna be just an overview of spiritual gifts as a whole, um, to kind of start our minds thinking in this way and start our hearts seeking God. For more insights about this really fascinating topic. So today we're going to start with 1 Corinthians 12.1. And let me read it out. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I find this to be a fascinating verse. 1 Corinthians 12 is one of the longest and more important passages in scripture about the subject of spiritual gifts. And how does it start off? What does Paul say at the very beginning? He says, I do not want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. And like we said, this is the purpose of the lesson today. There's a lot of people, including myself, that were were relatively uninformed about this. And the Bible explicitly says, that's not good. We need to understand. We need to be informed about the ways that God has designed us because the way he designs us is how he intends for us to live. So what are spiritual gifts? Well, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Just a little bit further down in the same passage, Paul says this, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What's this saying? It's saying that spiritual gifts are manifestations of, of the Holy Spirit. They differ depending on the person who has them, but they're all for the good of the community. They're all for the good of God's people. It's what uh, 12.7 calls, that very last phrase, the common good. That's why they're given. It's a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, what, what does this mean, manifestation of the Spirit? We don't use this, the word manifestation a whole lot anymore. What's it mean? It means that gifts are the results of God's gracious work in us, And they are ways that God's Spirit ministers through us. Gifts is a a testament to God's work in us, and it's a way that God ministers through us. Manifest means to reveal. Spiritual gifts reveal who God is and how He is at work. 
spiritual gifts reveal God's nature in ministry. Jesus Christ was full of the Spirit, one with the Spirit, the triune God in the flesh. And being fully God, in addition to being fully man, he's the only one who ever lived who had all of the gifts and had them to the fullest. In Jesus, we see every spiritual gift. We see the full manifestation of the Spirit. We see God's nature revealed perfectly. But what does Jesus tell us as disciples to do? Well, in John 20, verse 21, this is a fascinating verse. It says this, as the Father has sent me, this is Jesus talking, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus sends us, his disciples, to continue to do his work, to continue his ministry, to show the world who God is. Jesus came to show the world who God is. That's one of the reasons he came. And now he's sending forth you and I, and he's saying, you go now and continue my work. Show the world who God is. And how does he do that? How in the world would we do that? Through spiritual gifts. Through spiritual gifts. That's what Paul's saying. The way you manifest the Spirit, the way you reveal God as a disciple is by using the gifts of God. Keller points out in the sermon, he says, Jesus has all the gifts, and now as his body sent to continue his ministry, these gifts are given to us. That's a paraphrase. Jesus disperses his gifts to us so that we can continue his work. What an honor. What a calling. What a purpose. So if I was going to define spiritual gifts in one sentence, I would say this. Spiritual gifts can be defined as the grace of Jesus given to his people to equip them to continue his work. Let me read that one more time. Spiritual gifts can be defined as the grace of Jesus given to his people to equip them to continue his work. All right. Now we're going to turn to a few different verses relatively quickly, and we're going to read um, yeah, read a few different passages of the Bible and try to just figure out what are some things that we know about these gifts. We figured out what they are. These are these graces of Jesus that work in us to continue his work. But what do we know about them? Okay. First, first thing, everyone gets a gift and our gifts differ for our good. All right. First Peter 4.10 says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Everyone receives a gift. It says that each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. And these gifts differ for our good. And our gifts are just that. They're gifts. They're of grace. Notice it says in that same verse, 1 Peter 4.10, um, to use your gift in the way that God intends is to be a good steward of what? Of God's varied grace. And what's this saying? These gifts are not something we produce by our own effort. We don't deserve them. It's the grace of God to us and through us. These gifts are meant to elevate others, not ourselves. Look at that middle phrase in that in that verse, 1 Peter 4.10. Use the gifts to serve one another. These gifts are meant for us individually. I'm sorry, these gifts are not meant for us individually, but corporately. Now, there are blessings individually when we use our gifts. I mean, when, you, when you're given a gift, and we all are as Christians, it shows how important we are to God's work in the world. This is a, a, a deep token of love. That, that brings something, some fulfillment into our lives. And when we use our gifts, when we, when we obey God and minister in the way that God has designed us, well, we're going to find fulfillment and satisfaction in this. There is a lot of individual blessing, but it's not designed for that purpose. The purpose 
is for the good of the community so that we can serve one another. All right, let's turn to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Let me read this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And if you skip down, it says this. The, the whole point of this is so that the whole body being joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What's this passage saying? It's saying this. Our communities break down if we don't use our gifts. We cannot be healthy communities until we use our gifts, and we cannot be healthy Christians without using our gifts. What is this passage saying? It's saying that the ministers in the church are to equip all Christians for the work of ministry. That's funny, isn't it? The ministers in the church are to equip all Christians for ministry. In other words, both the formal ministers and the informal ministers, a.k.a. every single person in the Christian community, has a part to play. And what part are we playing? Look at the phrases here. Look at this passage, Ephesians um, 4, 11 through 16. Look at some of these phrases that just stand out to me. Building up the body of Christ, attaining to the unity of faith, to mature manhood, growing up in every way into Christ. What are all these things saying? It's saying that the various gifts of God given to all Christians are to be used for the spiritual growth of each individual person and the growth as, the, uh, uh, as a whole of the community in Christ. In other words, spiritual health, spiritual maturity cannot be reached as individuals or as communities until we discover our gifts. All right, let's look at 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. What's this saying, I think? What's the insight? What do we? What's the takeaway? We can and we should develop our gifts. It's a huge point. It means that when you're gifted at something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're automatically great at it. You may not even be that good at it at all. Or if you are good at it naturally, it doesn't mean that you can't improve on it. What does it say in 1 Peter 4.10? We just read a few minutes ago. We're supposed to be good stewards. Well, one of the ways that Paul told Timothy to be a good steward of God's grace, God's gift to him, was to fan it into flame. Maybe the gift starts as a little spark, but with some careful attention, that spark can grow and grow into a full-blown flame. And it's the same with our gifts. Maybe you have a gift of exhortation. And you know that stewardship of that gift is to fan it into flame. So you start practicing that gift. And you study God's word to become an expert on everything it says about exhortation. And you read books about the topic. And you ask to be mentored by someone else that has that gift that's further along in developing it and using it than you are. And you pray for God to make you better at it. What will happen when you start doing that stuff? The grace of God will increase in your life and that gift will grow, will develop. All right. Various things we've been talking about. 
What do we? What, let me just sum it up really quickly. Everyone gets a gift. Our gifts differ for our good. Our gifts are just that. They are gifts of grace. They're not of our own doing. They're meant to elevate others, not ourselves. We get a lot of blessing from them, but they're for the sake of the community. And our communities break down if we don't use them. We can't be healthy Christians as individuals, and we can't be healthy communities of Christians, churches, if we don't use our gifts. Very good so far. But we understand that we have to work to develop it. And we also need to have a word of caution here. Don't confuse, this is something Keller says, don't confuse your gifts with fruit. Gifts without fruit are like tires without air. That's what Keller says. Gifts without fruit are like tires without air. They collapse. What is he saying here? He says, look, the gifts listed in Scripture and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, are not necessarily the same. There's not, there's not a lot of overlap necessarily. They work hand in hand, they're interwoven, but they're not the same. And sometimes we can excel in using our spiritual gift because God has designed us to excel in using our gift. And we can miss the fact that we're not truly walking with God and maturing and being sanctified and loving. So the, the example Keller gives in this is, is teaching. Some people are really good at teaching. It's their gift. They can prepare well, they can study well, they can present the material in a way that's dynamic and captivating and inspiring. People can come up afterward they teach and say, wow, that was extremely impactful for me. That's really inspiring. Teachers can teach, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're walking with God, that they're growing in love and peace and joy and patience. And we know this, right? I mean, how many really good pastors preaching great sermons have been found to be hiding secret addictions or having affairs or they're they're teaching and preaching and leading churches that are that are growing but they are secretly not even walking with the lord they may not even be christians don't confuse gifts with fruit you have to be growing in Christ personally in order to help someone else grow in Christ over the long haul if you're not growing in Christ um, personally, if you're not truly seeing the Holy Spirit develop the real fruits of the Spirit and in intimacy with God in your life, then even though you may excel in a gift and fool others, eventually you will collapse. Because the Christian life needs spiritual gifts, but they can't replace spiritual fruit, the fruit of real communion, real intimacy, real walking with God. In other words, I think this is the other way to say it. In spiritual gifts, we overflow to others for their sake in ministry. But in order to overflow to others in ministry, you have to be first filled up. You have to be filled up with the love of God and intimacy with him before you can really overflow to others. And if you try to skip the being filled up part and just go to the overflowing part, you'll eventually dry out completely and wither away. What's the takeaway there? You have to look not just at your strengths, but also your weaknesses to get a complete picture of your spiritual health. And if you sit there and evaluate your spiritual health without looking at your gifts at all, then you're missing the importance of the gifts. But if you also only look to your gifts and go, oh, well, yeah, I'm doing good spiritually because I'm a good teacher. Well, then guess what? You're missing so much else that has a direct bearing on where you're at spiritually. All right. Um... Let's look at a few very just super practical points as we as we get really really close to ending this. 
So how do you discover God's calling new gifts? Maybe you're sitting here going, wow, this is great. I've learned a lot, but what does it mean for me? How do I actually learn about what my gifts are? Well, Tim Keller suggests looking for three things. And it's what he calls ability, affinity, and opportunity. So in other words, ability. What do people say that you're good at? What do you do that you get good feedback on? I mean, have you taught and they were like, oh, this is really good? Have have any of your friends ever said, you know what, I really appreciate about, appreciate about you? You're a great encourager. Has anyone ever said, you know what, I feel just really at home in your apartment in, or at your home? Like you always have people over and I always feel comfortable and I love it. I mean, wh- what abilities do you see, especially from the feedback of those who know you well, that may clue you into, hey, has God designed me in this way? And then affinity. What is affinity? Just saying an attraction to something. What is it that you're interested in doing? Do you have a passion for anything? I mean, do you love studying and learning to the point where maybe God has given you the gift of knowledge and discernment? What are you, what are you passionate about? This is where spiritual surveys, spiritual gift surveys can really come in handy as they help us identify what is it that we're really most interested in. And then lastly, opportunity. Are there circumstances out there, opportunities for you to minister? And you go, you know, I don't know if I'm good at this or not. I don't know if I'm good at evangelism, but there's a lot of opportunities to evangelize with the church. And I can start trying it and we'll see, you know, if there, if maybe God will give me an attraction to it, a passion for it, an ability for it as I start doing it, just taking advantage of the opportunity that's there. And I, and I guess the questions may would be, okay, well, what if you have an attraction to something and you have an opportunity to do it, but you're not sure if you have an ability? Well, try it and let's see if the ability develops as part of that fanning into flame. What if you have an ability to do something? This is a really tricky one. What if you're so you've what if you've gotten good feedback from people and they say, Man, you really are a good teacher and you go, Oh, and I have opportunities to teach. I see there's a need, but you don't want to do it at all. Again, try it and see if God develops an attraction to it, a passion for it. But in the long run, if it doesn't come, you'll probably have to try something else because without desire, it's mostly not, most likely not sustainable in the long run. But try it in the short run and see if God grants an affinity for it, if God grants an attraction, a desire, a passion, an interest in it. And then the last one would be, what if you have a desire to do something and you know that you're good at it because you've gotten good feedback, you have the ability, but there's no opportunity? Well, this is what I would say. Pray and keep your eyes open. One of the great quotes I've read about spiritual gifts says, God does not give gifts that he doesn't intend to use. If you're sitting there and you've identified your gift and you're passionate about it, but you don't have an opportunity to use it, pray and keep your eyes open because I'm confident God will give you the opportunity. Look, gifts do no good without using them. If we just learn about our gifts, if we even take it a step further and discover how God has actually gifted us as individuals, but stop right there, what good is it? We have to start using them. Look, pick a target ministry based on your ability, based on your affinity, based on opportunity. Pray and invest, minister, and watch what happens. All right, let's conclude by remembering the greatest gift. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 9. Let me read this out really quickly and we're going to conclude. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech, and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end. 
guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. Look at those phrases. I mean, this is Paul speaking to the church, and it's, uh, he's literally talking to this community, and he says, you were enriched in him. You're not lacking in any gift. In other words, he's saying, I see the spiritual gifts all through your community. You're rich with spiritual gifts. But look really closely at the second half of verse 7 and verse 8. What does he say they're doing? They're sitting there ministering as a community with their spiritual gifts. They're enriched with spiritual gifts. But what's the purpose? They are waiting for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And not just the, our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain us guiltless. You know, today we've been talking about how each Christian has at least, at least one gift. And that gift is given to be used for the good of the community. And when we use our gift in this way, it brings great fulfillment to us uh, as individuals and to our communities and to our churches. God has given to us various gifts. And these gifts even vary to different degrees, depending on the person. I mean, there can be five people that have the gifts of teaching, and maybe one of them is the best, and one of them is a little bit um, not quite as great. Maybe some of that's just development or whatever, but God, I think, even gives the gifts to different degrees. But he's given the greatest gift of all to each and every one of us, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Not all of us have the gift of teaching. Not all of us have the gift of counseling. Not all of us have the gift of hospitality, but we all have the gift of Jesus and all the gifts are meant to ultimately point us to him. He's the one who has all the gifts. He's the one who gives all the gifts to us. He's the one who gave us his very self. The, the gift of encouragement, perfect in Jesus. The gift of discernment, perfect. He was the most wise man who ever lived. The greatest teacher who ever walked the earth. He's the healer. He's the prophet. He's the helper. He's the giver. And on and on and on, we wait for his return. And as we wait, we minister with the gifts he's given us. And we never take our eyes off the greatest gift of all, Jesus himself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for gifting us. And thank you for including us in the work of Jesus Christ in his ministry. Thank you for the gift of Jesus our Savior, who sustains us guiltless as we wait for heaven and to be united with you. Use our gifts. Use us according to how you've designed us. For the sake of your name, in Jesus' name, amen.